live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. I remember the very first day of the first grade. It was a new school, and uh, it was after the lesson, after recess, and we each got a page from a coloring book, and we were coloring, and I was laying on my tummy, and I was coloring. And you know what? I really wasn't very good at coloring. I don't see very well, and I just got outside the lines, and it was kind of messy, but I was trying to put that intense color into the dress that I was coloring. Um, so I went to get a different colored crayon and I came back and these little girls that were with me that I wanted to be friends with, they had taken a black crayon and they had scribbled all over my paper. And when I picked it up, my little five-year-old heart was like, but why? And they said, it's ugly. And I heard, you're ugly. And it just, I, I, I just broke down into tears. I didn't have very many friends before this. This is my first, you know, other than kindergarten, real experience. So I went to the teacher and I was crying and I was all upset. And she said, here's a new page. Stop crying go over there and color. <laughs> and I colored. And so I was very upset. And when I went home and I, my mom said, well, how was your first day of school? And I told her. And she said, well, I need to tell you a story. It's the story of the ugly duckling. And my mom proceeded to tell me the story of the ugly duckling where the mother duck has a nest of eggs, and one of them is different. And it hatches, and the mother duck is not happy with this egg, and the other ducklings are not happy with this egg. And this duckling doesn't make the right noise, and it doesn't look right. And eventually, this duckling is kicked out of the house, and it lives on its own in this very miserable experience until after a very long, brutal winter, it turns into a swan, and it meets with other swans. And I remember the story, and I was just like, wow, even my mom thinks I'm ugly. <laughs> so, you know, to be honest, I have to say that I was a very awkward kid. I, um, I have albinism, so I look very different. I was very pale, even far paler than I am now. And uh, that kids don't like that, especially in the 80s, 70s and 80s when I was growing up. That was just, you're just too white, girl. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of I got along with some of the other kids a little bit, but I was very awkward. And that went all the way through middle school. And when I was in high school, when I was a junior, I finally met Karen. Now, Karen was possibly one of the most influential, important people I could ever meet. She had an enormous artistic energy that just was just, it was transformative. And she saw me as an ingenue, as, as a piece of clay to mold. Because Karen was all about fashion, and she was all about punk rock, and we were just changing the world. This was the 80s. And, and, and I know that kind of sounds ridiculous, but we were so 
you know, full of teenage angst and we're just ready to go. Well, you know, as soon as we met, we were like thick as thieves and we were best friends and we did everything together and we spent hours on the phone talking about fashion and boys and makeup and hair. And we would spend whole weekends together where we would do nothing but like cut out magazines and figure out our next look. And that last, those last two years of high school, we really were separating away from our peers. We weren't really making friends with other people because they were preppies and they were going to football games and keggers and we were cultivating this urban punk image. We were so cool. And um, you know, we were thrift shopping and doing makeup and all this craziness and listening to punk rock. And when they were going to keggers, we were sneaking out and going to nightclubs. This was the 80s. They used to serve underage kids, you know? <clears throat> so we would spend all weekend getting together these outfits for Monday. And we'd come in. And it wasn't about, like, did we do our homework? No. But did we have our outfit on? Yes. May comes around, and May is prom, the ultimate fashion showdown. Except we have two problems. We have no money, and we have no dates. <laughs> and by some miracle, some absolute miracle, I get a check in the mail for like $200. And then like at this point in my life, I have had nothing but hand-me-downs and thrift store and everything. I've, I've seen $20 of my own money in forever. I have $200, and, and I come to her and I tell her this, and she says, I have a plan, trust me. <laughs> and and I, can, I can remember that moment, like standing in this parking lot of the bank, and, I, and I'm like, the hair on the back of my neck stands up, and I'm like, I feel like lightning bolts shooting down me, and I was like, if, if there is anyone in this world I trust, it's you. And I just gave it to her, all of it, all of it. We marched down the street to the fabric store. I'd never been in the fabric store before. I don't know how to sew. I, I can't even see very well. I can't thread a needle. And she had a plan. So she walks in the, fab in the fabric store, and she gets out patterns. And she finds a pattern that she can make into two different dresses. And then she takes me over to the fabric section, and she's pulling up fabrics and looking at them. And she pulls out this beautiful midnight blue taffeta and puts it up against my skin and looks at it with a critical eye. And then she takes me over and she finds lace. Then she picks out for herself, kind of like on the side, some red satin, you know. Just. Then we go back to her house. And you go into her living room and, you know, her mom and her brother live there and, and her stepsister, and there's a bunch of dogs, and she just takes over the living room, and it's, there's a huge wall, it's all mirror, and all these white carpeting, and, and she takes it over, and we turn it into a war room. And we spend that weekend, and the next weekend, just like laying out fabric. First we had to copy the pattern, because we didn't even have enough money for two patterns. So we're copying it on newspaper, and like laying it out, and cutting, and pressing, and pinning, and this, and I'm, and I'm like, you're trusting me with scissors. I can't even see it, it cut straight. Didn't care. Don't worry, we'll fix it at the end, is all she could say. Well, we still have no dates. And I tell her this, and she's like, ah, don't worry about it. She picks up the phone, and she calls her cousin Butchie. Now, I've read to tell you this, but 
Karen is African-American and I am white. And this is not okay in 1986 Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. First of all, our friendship is not okay. Second of all, you certainly do not have interracial dating. She called her cousin Butchie. She goes, hey, I got a prom coming up next weekend. Can you make it? You got a friend? Cool. See you there. Bye. And, and like, I already have the hugest crush on her cousin Butchie because he's so tall and dark and handsome. And he's 19, and he's like a professional prom date. I think he goes on like 10 proms every weekend. He's got like a powder blue suit and like, you know, tuxedo. But you know, I'm 18. And uh, so, we, so we get to the prom, and, and like literally the day of the prom, we are sewing ourselves into the dresses. We're taking the stays out of her mom's nightclub, you know, because her mom's a nights club singer. We're taking the stays out of her dresses and sewing them into her. And we're like, every little thing, we're literally sewing ourselves in, putting the makeup on. We come downstairs, and the boys are like, whoa, <laughs> you guys are gorgeous. And then we go to the prom. It's 1986 Pittsburgh. The theme is Antebellum South. <laughs> We're two interracial couples. And we're not dressed like that. <laughs> so when we get there, all we see are these girls in these ridiculous hoop skirts and peach and like lemon yellow and teal. And they're standing around with a really ridiculous ringlet curls. and. And they're so uncomfortable, and they have no idea who they are. And we come in looking like New York fashion, you know. And everyone is just like, wow, look at you guys. You're amazing. Fashion. <laughs> People that never spoke to us, ever. We were on the A-list all of a sudden. People come up to Karen in her gorgeous red satin with all the way, white gloves, dark cocoa skin, beautiful big brown eyes, and they were like, you should come to the after party at the country club. Now this is a country club she would never be able to get into, or me. Karen was like, oh, that's okay. We have another party to go to in the city. And I'm like, no we don't, what are you talking about? And she's like, shut up, yes we do. Well. We decided to leave early for our party in the city, because we've already told this lie six times. We get in the car, and Butchie's driving. He's like, all right, Grandmaster Flash, what's the plan? And she's like, just drive. Just drive, Butchie, and I'll figure out a plan. <laughs> so we start driving into the city, and we pull off, and like we count the money we have between the four of us, and I think there's like $17.35. And we go to Howard Johnson's and order pancakes in all of our finery. <laughs> and we get home, we, we get back in the car and we drive home. And uh, I, I, I change out of my clothes into pajamas and we're like watching a movie, the four of us, and it's kind of awkward and funny, but it's silly, and, um, but I, I left my makeup on. And I remember looking in that living room mirror and I just took one look and I was like, I finally saw a glimpse of that swan. Cool.